raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. I have a belated Christmas present for you today. We have a, a wonderful priest from New York, Father Gerald Murray, uh, is going to be talking about the healing of the sexual abuse crisis in the church. Let me just give you a brief bio of Father before we, intri- before we say hello. Father hails from Brooklyn, New York. He attended Regis High School and Dartmouth College. Father was ordained a priest in 1984 and received his doctorate in canon law from the Gregorian University in Rome in 1998. Father is currently the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in New York City. Many of you will have seen Father's appearances on various television and radio outlets, including EWTN, EWTN Spanish, Fox News, Fox Business News, MSNBC, New York One, Radio Maria, Relevant Radio, Fox News Radio, and The Voice of America. Father is fluent in French, Spanish, and Italian, and has a working knowledge of Portuguese. He served in the U.S. Naval Reserve Chaplain Corps from 1994 to 2005, and many of you know that he writes a monthly column for The Catholic Thing, and also has written for National Review Online, First Things Online, and the National Catholic Register. As you know, Father has risen to media prominence (coughs) with his regular appearances as a member of the Papal Posse on EWTN, The World Over with Raymond Arroyo, along with Robert Royal. You also might have seen him as a Vatican observer commenting on papal elections and synods. And last but not least, our congratulations to Father, who was awarded the Father Benedict Groeschel Award at the Union League Club in New York just a few weeks ago. With that said, I'd like to welcome you, Father, to the show. Welcome, Father Gerald Murray. Well, thank you so much. It's a real joy to be with you and with our audience today. Thank you, Father. Father, we're, we're very blessed to have you here. We're, let's begin right at the get-go with the, with the first uh, thing we'd like to talk about. Let's go back, circle back to the summer of shame last August when Cardinal Vigano wrote the explosive letter to the Holy Father detailing the corruption in the hierarchy of the Church and it was centered on Cardinal McCarrick's homosexual behavior with seminarians and the seemingly disingenuous cover-up leading all the way to Pope Francis, who said, I will not say a single word about this. What do you say, Father, to Catholics that are angry about the Pope's refusal to answer the Archbishop's allegations about McCarrick and that the Pope knew and rehabilitated McCarrick, and as of this December, McCarrick has not been tried by a canonical canonical court. In your article you just published uh, in the Catholic thing, you ask, why the delay if the evidence was compelling six months ago? Father, you, that's my question to you. Well, the big and no accusations really do need to be uh, studied and responded to, and the Pope was asked about those uh, allegations, uh, which include allegations, as you say, that he knew about uh, Cardinal, now ex-Cardinal McCarrick's depredations, mm-hmm. uh, yet nonetheless um, used him as a diplomat, sending him to China and uh, fulfilling other duties that, um, you know, we, we realize that this man, as is alleged and as we think is very true, was guilty of all these horrendous sexual abuse and abuse of authority that he should have no further role to play in the public life of the Church. He should as he was, Pope Francis told him, he has a life of prayer and penance, but even that's not sufficient. But the Pope does not want to answer these questions, at least as of the moment. He did tell the journalists that they need to look into the matter, but the journalists then started calling people who were listed in the Vigano Memorandum, and nobody wanted to answer the, take the call or answer the questions. So... You know, if I were advising the Pope, I would say the best thing, Holy Father, to do is to uh, address these allegations. Are they true or not? And 
a lot of the allegations concerning what Vigano said of things that happened before Pope Francis became Pope, they have been uh, borne out by other evidence. You know, mm-hmm. letters have been produced to show that the Holy See was notified, you know, back in the early 2000s about McCarrick's depredations. Uh, and it's, you know, alleged, and I think accurately, that Pope Benedict had placed Cardinal McCarrick under sanctions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. evidence has shown that to be true. So, uh, you know, I think the American people uh, deserve an answer, the American Catholic people in particular, um, because they're puzzled. How is it that this man, if he was known to be such a bad actor, how was it that he had so much influence in the Church? And if the Pope, you know, came forward and explained it, I think we'd all be very satisfied and happy to at least know that um, accountability is... Uh, being exercised by everyone in the church, including by the Pope, and that we can, you know, deal with past mistakes and perhaps dealing with it uh, by, you know, pledging to do better in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, the, the, it is going to be dealt with one way or the other. Just today, the I saw that the officials from 45 states have asked Pennsylvania law enforcement for advice about uh, prosecuting predator priests. So, you know the the civil authorities are going to be taking are taking matters into their hands now. That's very true. In fact, you know, beyond the McCarrick scandal, the many other scandals that were revealed this summer of priests who were you know committing criminal acts and bishops mm-hmm. who were protecting them, uh, these things are now going to be revealed due to the intervention of district attorneys mm-hmm. and uh, attorneys general of states. And now the federal investigators are also looking at the matter, uh, particularly as regards the state of Pennsylvania. But, um, you know, there's a pattern here that's been discovered where priests who commit horrendous crimes are then transferred either out of the diocese to another diocese or within the diocese to another parish. Nobody's told the truth or only partially told what happened. Uh, And in many cases, more crimes are committed by those men. So Yes, Father. Now, this is not good, and this definitely will come to light, as you say, because of the civil and criminal yes, investigations. Yes. You know, Father, because of the, the horrendous nature of the problem, the silence, the delays, this, this weighs really heavily on, on our Catholic family. I was thinking the topic of this was healing the um, the whole body. Think of healing the whole mystical body of Christ. There are the abused, the abusers, the enablers, the faithful lay and clergy. This weighs heavy and uh, heavy and heavy, and it doesn't go away. In your um, in your uh, blog on the Catholic thing, you advise us to pray and act. Absolutely. We, we all know the end of this story with the Holy Spirit guiding the church. We know it can't fail, so we already know the victory's won. But we pray, but we have to act. And this can be really hard for the average Catholic, a lay Catholic man and woman, even a deacon. It can be hard. So to me, uh, there's, there's something we can and must do between this moment and when some kind of resolution finally makes its appearance. I don't know. That, that's kind of where, what I'm trying to get my arms around at this point. Well, it's absolutely what needs to be done. We can't just pretend nothing happened. We can't pretend that there's no solution. Uh, we can't pretend that people in authority should be able to determine you know, uh, that uh, you know, this matter has already been dealt with. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, if anything, the Pennsylvania revelations and the McCarrick revelations showed that even after the year 2002, um, there were uh, cover-ups being conducted uh, to protect the malefactors who, if it was made known publicly what they had done, they would not have been able to continue either as a bishop or a priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have had to be removed or they would have been you know, forcibly put or taken out of their parish, uh, you know, against their will even. Now, all of this requires that there be a system of justice. It's not sufficient that someone says, well, this priest did this thing to me. He's got to, you know, present a case, and canon law and, and civil law and criminal law has to be invoked so that, you know, everyone's rights are protected. But certainly, um, you know, the Catholic laity 
should make quite clear to the, all the bishops um, that they are expecting them to do more than has been done in the past, and that accountability uh, means that they be given a full explanation of what was done in the past, and that um, stakes be admitted. And many bishops have done that so far, and that's good, but you know, there needs to be a total accounting, because just waiting around and the bishops, uh, you know, saying, well, uh, you know, let's put the bishops do want to do something, they have pledged as a group, uh, but they need to be more proactive and do more. I know that many bishops are now revealing lists of the uh, all the priests in their diocese who have been credibly accused of committing acts of sexual abuse. Uh, that's a good step. Um, but they also have to be vigorous in, you know, prosecuting and, and canonically those priests uh, who have been guilty of grave immorality, uh, and then make sure that similar type men don't get ordained in the future. So there's a lot to be done. Um, Father, may I just break in? I apologize sure. to our listeners. I neglected to introduce the man you just heard speaking before Father just spoke, uh, Frank DeFrank. He's a deacon at St. Patrick's Parish in Lake Forest, Illinois, and I'm so glad he's joining us for the conversation. Um, I know we, we each have so many things to ask you, Father, so I'm going to go next, sure. if you don't mind. And your article on the Catholic thing, which I just read, um, the U.S. bishops recently were set to, I'm quoting you, were set to take con concrete steps at their recent November meeting to put an end to the hierarchical culture uh, in which priests and even bishops such as McCarrick were protected from rev revelations of crimes and allowed to continue in place thanks to payoffs and confidentiality agreements. The last-minute instruction from the Holy See to take no action until after a February meeting in the Vatican was met with stunned incredulity. Is this the right way to address a five-alarm crisis of confidence in the Church and her leaders regarding horrendous crimes and malfeasance? Father, how do you answer that? Well, you know, it's one of those things where I thought the American bishops uh, were doing the right thing. Uh, in uh, formulating a response as a, as a total national bishops' conference. Um, you can debate legitimately some of the provisions that they were uh, about to enact. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in order to become you know, mandatory for all of the country, they would have needed the approval of the Holy See. Um, but certainly uh, calling upon lay expertise in evaluating accusations, that was one of the provisions that they would set up uh, an organization to receive complaints about sexual abuse carried out by bishops, because right now it's really not clear to most people what happens if um, you know, a bishop uh, commits some kind of act of sexual depredation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, well, who do you report it to, who's responsible for following up on it, who's going to do the investigation. Now, of course, the bishops are directly under the Pope, the Holy See, but um, in receiving the complaint, how does that mechanism, uh, what's to be done? Mm -hmm. And the bishops are proposing that there be a lay board uh, made up of experts who would, uh, you know, more or less serve as advisors to the American hierarchy, receive the complaint, and evaluate it, and then uh, you know pass that on. I believe to the papal nuncio, was the who was the pope's representative in the United States. Uh, but that the, the Holy See is not doesn't seem to be favorable to that because an alternate proposal came out at the meeting promoted by Cardinal Supic, which is that the Metropolitan Archbishop, who is the let's say supervisory bishop for all the bishops in his ecclesiastical province of so Chicago, for instance, there the Archbishop of Chicago supervises the other bishops in Illinois, um, that any complaints about an bishop in Illinois would go to the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago. If there was a complaint about the Archbishop of Chicago, it would go to the senior, junior bishop in, in the other diocese. So that's another proposal, and that has merit, too. But um, right now, everything's on hold, and... Um, that, I, would, I don't think that was a good idea. Uh, I know the Holy See felt that was what needed to be done because they're going to hold a meeting in February right. with presidents of all the bishops' conferences throughout the world. <clears throat> and the thought is that 
uh, a universal solution, meaning a general policy for all the countries of the world, would be formulated. Mm -hmm. If that happens, and and it's um, something that is actually serious with you know a, a good likelihood of success, then that's good. But right. in the meantime, people are kind of saying, "Well, wait a minute, you know." The bishops were all set to meet, and they only found out about this, you know, the very morning of the meeting. It was announced by the president right, of the conference, right. Cardinal DiNardo, that the Holy See had called the day before to say, don't vote. Um, and that's and, puzzling to a lot of people. And puzzling, and also what happened just this morning, or the other morning, I'm sorry, last week, is that the Vatican um, has asked the bishops to meet with the victims ahead of the February meeting to learn, quote, firsthand the suffering they have endured. That just came out last week, Father. Well, that's very good. I hadn't seen that, but that is a very good step. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, you know, this is, there are a number of matters here. One is, you know, meeting as, as a pastor to, um, you know, someone who's been victimized by a priest or bishop, you know, have his say, um, you know, to inform the other bishops and priests, you know, about how horrendous this crime is. Mm -hmm. But then there's also canonical process where these people would be actual, you know, witnesses in a, in a canonical trial mm -hmm. uh, to present evidence that, in fact, uh, this bishop or that priest had done horrible things. Um, that's something we really need because this is really, a, you know, a matter of criminal justice. Yes, Most really. people don't realize a canon law as a category of crimes. Yes, Father. Yes. And sexual abuse of minors is a crime, and so is other forms of sexual abuse. And has to be prosecuted. And should be, absolutely. And in fact, uh, often they're not done by the form of a trial, but the Pope himself does what's called, you know, a personal administrative process, meaning he will hear the evidence himself and make a decision, and he did that in the case recently of two bishops in Chile. He yes. removed them from the priesthood. Yes, right, yes. Um, and that was, you know, very uh, welcome because it was, you know, the evidence was overwhelming in those cases. So I, I, re I remember that. But Frank, you have some? Yeah, uh, Father, <clears throat> I, I would like to push the envelope a little bit on this action. It's pretty clear that um, whatever is likely to be done, maybe 1% of, of, of our community uh, will be involved. The canonical, canonical process is going to involve certainly the clergy. Uh, then there'll be some, uh, hopefully, lay people, experts that might be involved. That might be 1% of, of our, our Catholic family. But there are 99% of us that, have to, that are asking, we need to do something too and not just stand by and, and, and be passive, part, passive people. And so I'm thinking, okay, uh, let me bounce a, a thought. Like, what if, what if we could identify there are faithful pastors, there are faithful parishes, that we that why not establish the, a network in our in our own geographic area, a network of prayer groups, where we if we say we're going to pray, let's pray as a community and not just individually. A rosary, benediction, adoration, novenas, fast days, then communicate within this network of people to keep us apprised of the power of our prayer and also whatever action we think we can take at our level, whether that's attending meetings or open forums or being, uh, securing a seat on, on a reform gathering. Things, you know, that the 99% can do because we are a vibrant part of this mystical body of Christ and not just, not just passers-by or passes passive passengers no, I, I don't true. know I, I don't know if that makes any sense father no it's um, you're absolutely right you know when people have concerns in a family they make it known to the mother and the father um, and when there are concerns in the church you know the spiritual fathers are the pastor of the parish uh, and the other priests but then also the bishop of the diocese and um, you know I think the bishops respond uh, when they understand that public opinion is moving in a certain direction or has already arrived there. And I think they understand very well that the people are horrified uh, what they discovered in the Pennsylvania report and in the McCarrick case, mm -hmm. uh, that there were you know, bishops and known to be sexual abusers, um, and not necessarily of minors in all cases, but certainly an immoral 
use of authority to compel you know people to have sex with them who are subject to them in the case of McCarrick um, so people need to know uh, or bishops rather need to know that this kind of uh, way of operating which was widespread it seems uh, is no longer going to happen and they're going to you know find out what happened in the past and make sure there are no more priests or even bishops around uh, who participate in this kind of thing. It's, it's a very complex reality. The United States is a huge country, many, many dioceses, many cases, but you know each bishop is responsible in his diocese to make things known, and it is frustrating to people when uh, you know they hear reports that Father X had been accused in the past uh, but was transferred or left in place. Um, now, you know, there has to be total accountability for that. And then, you know, further research to find out, you know, what, what was the cause of this? Why did this happen? Was it a, you know, protection racket? Was somebody getting favorable treatment? Mm -hmm. uh, these things have to be dealt with on individual cases based on evidence. We don't go on hysterical rages saying right. they're all, all the bishops are bad and all the priests are right, suspect. Right. Not at all. But, you know, to make known to your own diocesan bishop that you support the efforts of Cardinal DiNardo and the American hierarchy to get to the bottom of the McCarrick case and to get to the bottom of, um, you know, what could potentially be similar stuff to what happened in the Pennsylvania report, that, you know, dioceses shouldn't wait for the, uh, you know, police and DAs to show up in the chanceries before making known publicly, uh, you know, the status of, of, of these problems in their own dioceses. Um, Father, could I just switch gears for a moment? I, we only have three and a half minutes before the break, so we might have to continue this. Pope Francis was quoted as saying, if someone is gay and searches for the Lord and has good will, who am I to judge? This has spawned a deep debate in the church about homosexuality, which most people agree is the root cause of the clerical sex abuse crisis. And one of your own Jesuits, Father, Father James Martin, among others, is going all over the country deriding Catholics <coughs> adhering to church teaching on homosexuality as homophobic and closed-minded. Um, Father, it's for with three minutes left, the church's teaching on homosexuality, and we can carry it over after the break. Sure. No, the church teaches that human sexuality is an aspect of uh, the created order, that God made the male and female, uh, and that the propagation of the species uh, depends upon, you know, the physical union of a man and a woman. Now, that mm -hmm. should take place in marriage. It should be exclusive and permanent in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, but that sex has a purpose. Its primary purpose is not pleasure mm -hmm. or the expression of, you know, my dominance over someone else or the fact that, you know, I, I choose to do this. No, the primary purpose of sex is to express love and marriage in view of having children. Mm -hmm. So we say the dual ends of love and life. Um, not to, not to you know, it has to be referenced when looking at sexual acts that violate that. Yeah. And certainly homosexual activity does that because it's the misuse of the sexual faculty and it, uh, the desire to engage in that kind of activity is a perverse desire. It's something to be resisted, not embraced. Mm -hmm. And the Church teaches it's intrinsically disordered uh, to want to commit sex acts with people of the same sex. So sodomy is wrong. The Bible says it quite clearly. Mm -hmm. Natural law teaches that. Father Martin wants to change the catechism. Yes. He, he, he wants to say that uh, homosexual desire is differently ordered, not intrinsically disordered. And that's wrong. He's, he's denying Catholic teaching in that regard, yes, even though he says frequently, I affirm Catholic teaching. But that's just not the case. It's not logical based on what he said. So we have to confront the problem in the society that ever since uh, the gay rights movement got going, and then after the Obergefell decision in the Supreme Court legalizing so-called same-sex marriage, yes. It's a great social pressure. The homosexuality is just a different way of living. Well, it's not. It's a wrong way of living. Yes, Father. People who have that problem need our assistance, but assistance means the truth, not deluding them with falsehoods. And I have some wonderful homosexual friends, and um, but I couldn't agree with what you just shared um, more. You gave the true teaching of the Church on the sin of, of, of <laughs> acting in... Uh, in homosexual relationships. So, Father, thank you for that. And 
We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Hello, I am Mike Benner with the Catholic Men's Group of St. Lucie's Parish in Racine, Wisconsin. If you're a man looking to enrich your faith, we invite you to join our Band of Brothers Scripture Study every Saturday at 7 a.m. We review the Sunday Mass readings and discuss how that applies to us Catholic men. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. at St. Lucie's in Racine. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, this is Sister Beth Ann Dillon from the Daughters of St. Mary of Providence in Chicago. Catholic Radio Today is so important for young people and families to hear the Word of God expressed, to give them food for thought, and to help them bring the Word of God in a loving way as we are all called to be evangelizers in the faith. So listen to WSFI Antioch 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hello and welcome back. For those of you who have been listening, we're talking to Father Gerald Murray from New York, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in New York City. And we're in the studio is Deacon Frank DeFrank from St. Patrick's Parish in Lake Forest, Illinois, which is my parish, Joan McHugh. So, Father, we were discussing, you were giving a very um, clear um, explanation of homosexuality and um, how in no, under no circumstance uh, under no circumstances can we accept or tolerate uh, homosexual activity um, it, the, the um, catechism says that it is actually contrary to natural law which I believe you just said let's continue a little bit in that area of um, discussion, our cardinal in Chicago, Supich, is n- is a known advocate for the heter- heterodox pro-LGBT agenda, and said that the the crisis in the church has little to do with homosexuality, and is instead the product of clericalism. Could you comment on that, Father? Well, I think the problem has to do with homosexuality because. Um, most of the abuse cases that we've uh, determined as regards people under the age of 18, uh, the John Jay study revealed that they were uh, uh, assaults carried on upon male minors. Mm-hmm. And at least, I think it was 85 or 80, 82, whatever, it was about 85% of the cases that were looked at by the John Jay study uh, of records showed that this was overwhelmingly a problem of male priests with male victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the activity was sexual in nature, so that that's homosexuality. Um, so that's not that's a fact. Yes, so, Father. Now, uh, concerning activities with adults, the statistics aren't um, uh, have not compiled in the same way they were as regards minors. But um, certainly, anecdotal evidence reveals that many priests have been discovered to have committed homosexual acts. Uh, similar to Cardinal McCarrick, although he denied doing anything wrong in the case of the minor seminarian uh, when he was accused last June, but you know people have come forward since uh, to identify that uh, he had, that payoffs had been made uh, to, and 
confidentiality agreements to, you know, required mm-hmm. of two victims who received payoffs uh, to keep quiet uh, what McCarrick had done to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, clericalism is a it's a, it, it's something that's hard to define exactly what it means. I think generally it means a misuse of the priestly office mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for vainglory or personal gain. Uh, but you know, home, if you had a, any group of people uh, committing a, a sexual crimes at the percentage that these uh, priests were identified by the John Jay study, uh, that clearly people would draw the conclusion this had nothing to do with whether they were a priest or a layman, it had to do that they were engaging homosexual acts. Yes, Father. That's pretty clear. Frank, did you have something to add? I was just going to move in a little bit different. Okay, that's okay. But again, focusing on healing, if it's truly going to take place, at this moment, I stand back and say, okay, what have we seen? Silence, delaying tactics, uh, the stopping the U.S. initiative, then we get the leadership in order to bring about this change from people who themselves are suspect, like Worrell and Supich. The, the emphasis on focusing on minors, and that's what the word you will hear throughout all of these last getting ready for these meetings. And, the, and there is vulnerable adults, which I have heard as defined as uh, people with disadvantages, not necessarily adults, as in homosexual relation. So, and then you've got the obfuscation of clericalism, the, uh, that kind of thing. So, what we have seen so far are not encouraging to me for a, a complete healing of the whole mystical body of Christ in a reasonable amount of time before we lose even more people in the mystical body of Christ. I, I, I would... I would welcome Father you uh, taking me on here on this, and I'm open. Right. Well, you know, Cardinal Worrell is now retired, um, and so he's he's acting as the administrator of the Archdiocese of Washington until a new <coughs> Archbishop is named, uh, and he still remains on the Congregation of Bishops in Rome. So he still has a, an influence and and some authority, uh, but certainly, you know, his. A record of performance in Pennsylvania he was not proud of uh, to the extent that he said he wanted to have his retirement accepted rather than continue in place as Archbishop of Washington. Uh, Cardinal Supic has uh, been named by Pope Francis to be one of the organizers of this meeting that will take place in February in Rome, so he certainly has the confidence of the Pope. Um, I myself have noted that he um, has uh, embraced, so to speak, Father James Martin by inviting him to speak in Chicago, and I'm not pleased by that, but, you know, that's that's what he has chosen to do. I think he has shares, just as we all do, uh, a sense of horror about any sexual abuse that occurs in the Church. Now the question is, do we agree on the causes and yes, solutions? Right. And that's something... You know, I think that's a legitimate debate that can go on in the church. Yes, Father. And may I just say, while we're on the subject of Chicago, what do, what do you think about the uh, good and holy priests who are being censured, threatened, and punished by their bishops for speaking out? Such one is Father John Kalchik from Resurrection Parish in Chicago, whom our own Cardinal Supich removed last September following the burning of the rainbow flag in the church. Father Kalchik is still in hiding to this day. What would you say to bishops who target priests who are being faithful to the magisterium of the church and to the thousands of priests who are laboring in the vineyard? How do you stay faithful during this crisis? Well, you know, stay faithful to Christ and to his doctrine. Yes, Um, Father. I'm not familiar with all the details. I know I read about uh, the priest who was removed in Chicago after he burned a gay gay rights flag. Yes, yes. Um, so, well, but I hope that they can resolve that dispute in a satisfactory manner. Um, certainly, in my opinion, uh, burning a, a gay flag is doesn't is not no way a canonical crime. Um, right. So, it, you know, it's it's not foreseen in canon law that someone will be punished for doing that. Mm-hmm. If there were other questions that the cardinal had regarding the behavior of that priest, I'm not aware of, mm-hmm. and maybe. 
you know, we're not we're not aware of it. But um, in general, I think it's better for bishops in the time of crisis um, to listen to the anguish of the people and the priests, and not try to silence people by saying, "I don't agree with what you say. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear you saying it." Um, Unless people say things that are heretical, right. defamatory. Um, to have more know. of a dialogue is what you're saying. Yeah, well, and the thing is, we can learn from each other. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, we have to realize when this, you know, things are happening quickly and that are horrendous, uh, we shouldn't be surprised if people get upset. Uh, and we should not view that as, a, you know, something that they should have controlled their anger. You know, we have to learn. Sometimes anger is expressed, and it's for the benefit of the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, when the Nazis march somewhere, and the community's in an outrage, nobody says, "Well, you know, tone it down." Right. You know. Right. We say no. It's, Nazis represent uh, supporters of an evil regime that mm-hmm. killed millions of people that tried to exterminate <laughs> the Jewish nation. I mean, that, 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 there's no no toleration should be given right. on a level of social acceptance. Right. Now, legally, they have a right to march because this is a free country, but anyway, that's how I look well, at it. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I really appreciate your, your words about that. I want to go now to Communist China. What is your opinion about the Pope's detente with Communist China, Father? I basically support Cardinal Zen, the retired Archbishop of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardinal Zen has expressed his complete disagreement with the Vatican's decision, which is the Pope's decision, uh, to uh, grant uh, a deal to the mainland communist Chinese government uh, by which um, they would have they would exercise greater control over the Catholic Church in China through the nomination of bishops. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also regret that uh, faithful bishops uh, were asked to resign their fees in favor of people who are appointed by the Patriotic Association, which is a communist uh, front group to control the Catholics of China. Um, And I just regret that completely because uh, people who have been faithful to the church and have gone to prison and have suffered, you know, great uh, verbal and physical assaults. Uh, they do not deserve to be told, I mm-hmm. think, uh, that they have to give place to the people who uh, were participants in the in the communist scheme to control the Catholic Church, which is the Patriotic Association. That's why we have an underground church because the, you know so many Catholics that I want we want nothing to do with this communist front group called the Patriotic Association. But now, unfortunately, uh, according to Cardinal Zen and according to me, the the Holy See has decided that they want to uh, empower the Patriotic Association um, by recognizing the the right of the communist government to nominate bishops. And what what would be behind their, their wanting to do that? I don't understand, Father. Well, one of the problems here is that the agreement was never published, so we've only heard aspects of it coming out as far as the Holy See wishes to reveal it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems, uh, since this is a diplomatic deal, um, that it's this uh, pursuit of diplomacy so that we can regularize situations where uh, the Catholic Church was at a legal disadvantage uh, in China because of the attitude of the government, and I think the Holy See says, well, if we can, you know, give the Chinese communists some some recognized authority uh, over the church through its nomination power of bishops, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Pope, according to the reports, he has the final say, and I'm sure that's the case, but, yes. um, you know... Imagine, uh, you know, imagine Donald Trump, the President of the United States, you know, called the Pope and said, from now on, I'd like to nominate all the bishops in the U.S. Yes. Um, and you can have the final say, but only candidates I approve of will reach your desk. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense, and we would never agree to that. No. Um, so we sh- I don't think we should have agreed to this. Um, I'm not topic. happy. Um, mm-hmm. Chinese Catholic faithful... Uh, do feel betrayed, and that's yes, a hard Father. word, but it's a true word. It is a true uh, word. I want so. to give Frank a question, a time for a question, Father. 
Oh, I, I'm moving a, a back again to um, the whole healing of the mystical body. Father, what, in your opinion, what's the best outcome we can hope for in the next three to six months? I, given what I consider to be some of the real stumbling blocks, what is the best outcome you think we should hope for? I would say there are a few outcomes that we should look forward to. Uh, one is that the momentum uh, that the revelations have led to, where the American hierarchy as a group is taking greater responsibility for what happened in this country, uh, that that will continue and that they'll be able to enact uh, and implement a system where um, people will be able to report on misbehavior by bishops to a known uh, authority and that that authority will then be held accountable for investigating and passing on to the Holy See the information it receives. Mm -hmm. That would be a good outcome. Furthermore would be the full revelation of the history of sexual abuse by clergy uh, of minors and others um, absolutely uh, through the um, you know verification that there are no cases uh, that were hidden from public scrutiny in a kind of cover-up and protection mode. And many dioceses are doing that. They're publishing these lists. Yes. Now, all of that has to, again, I, I'll say, as I said earlier, uh, an accusation does not constitute a conviction for a crime. Yes. So they should not be revealing names of people who were accused of uh, misbehavior or criminal behavior, but then it was never substantiated in the sense that uh, the, the di if the diocese didn't think it was credible and had done a sufficient investigation to arrive at that uh, conclusion, then those people should not be tarred with right. any accusation right. because they're, you know, you're, and you're innocent until you're proven guilty. The fact that somebody comes along and says, Father so-and-so did this to me doesn't mean he did it. Exactly. Uh, so we should never do that. On the other hand, you know, each diocese should explain to the people what kind of investigation it did, who was, who was mm -hmm. responsible for it, you know, it's not enough to say, well, we received the complaint, we didn't think much of it, and we just put it in a drawer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, we sh but this is a more, even gets more complicated, that canon law um, needs to be further specified, laid out step by step uh, in what it means to, to deem an accusation credible. What are the conditions and necessary proofs or evidence to arrive at that conclusion? Because... Um, you know, it's it's an area of the law that was not very developed uh, due to the fact that there weren't many of these accusations 50 right. to 100 years ago. It was very rare. Now, for various reasons, it's been an explosion of, of yes. accusations, and in most cases proven to be true. Father, maybe it'll be that you'll be called in to debate or discern some of these cases. Well, I am a canon lawyer, so if... Um, you know, mm -hmm. if that's necessary, if my diocese, uh, I'm in the Archives of New York, if, if the Cardinal said to me, I'd like you to be involved in this, yes. of course, I'd say yes. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a broader issue than my diocese alone. It's oh, basically uh, the Holy See, you know, they've, they've issued very clear instructions on uh, the annulment process, on what needs to be done, mm -hmm. and what constitutes evidence and this and that. So uh, I think a similar uh, decree from the Holy See stating you know, in the event uh, that someone accuses a cleric, a priest, or bishop of the following categories of sexual misbehavior, mm -hmm. this is what needs to be done. Are and you just right in... Limit, things like this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I sure. want to quote your own words from the Catholic thing you just wrote. If the dark clouds of 2018 had a silver lining, it's that there is now at least some chance that immoral and conniving priests and bishops will no longer be tolerated, protected, or promoted but rather called to repent and held to accountability. You wrote that, I Father. Believe, I, I believe <laughs> that that's what's happening yeah. here. I mean, the, again, back to Cardinal McCarrick's case, uh, the Holy See was notified of these accusations that he was um, coercing seminarians into homosexual mm -hmm. activity uh, and that he was you know, immorally engaging them to sleep in a bed with him at a vacation home. Mm -hmm. uh, this was known and yes, reported. Father. And according to Car Archbishop Vigano, 
uh, he was placed under sanctions privately by Pope Benedict. Yes. I've, I've written earlier that I think Pope Benedict made a mistake because private sanctions uh, can be ignored. Yes, uh, yes. And no one knows about it, so therefore the person, if they choose to ignore it, and the Pope doesn't make the sanctions known or, or reinforce them by further sanctions, then, you know, what can happen is what happened with McCarrick. Nobody knew right. that he'd been placed under these sanctions, and he flouted them, um, you know, and yes. how do we know that? Well, we, I mean, we do know that he had been invited, as Vigano wrote, uh, to, to give a speech to seminarians, and when Vigano, as nuncio in Washington, read this in the Catholic newspaper down in Washington, he called Cardinal World and said, what in the world is this? Yes. Cardinal World said, okay, we'll cancel that. So, yeah, th- there were sanctions in place, but they weren't sufficient. So that's that's a problem. And people say, well, why in the world were these sanctions kept private? I mean, if, if the pastor of my local parish had a vacation home and it was known that he was taking, you know, yes. young men in his parish and, you know, sleeping in the same bed with him, um, and this was reported to the bishop, you know, and then the bishop said, well, I'll give you private sanctions, but we're not going to tell anybody. Everyone would be outraged. Yes, of course. Frank, did you have a question? Back again. Um, it seems to me that we have enough proof that uh, the bishops can't evaluate themselves. They, they, they got the history to prove that. So, it, again, in light of um, what would a best outcome be, what, what kind of role can the laity play in these next three to six months or nine months where – uh, they're they're not just window dressing, but in fact become a viable uh, partner in making sure that the bishops mark the the line uh, that they should. Since anyway, sure. Well, I, uh, communicating with your bishop through letter writing, uh, requesting a personal appointment, um, you know, participating in a discussion group that might produce a group letter. Um, you know, the bishops pay attention to uh, the correspondence they get. Uh, we also encourage people to write uh, articles, letters to the editor. Mm-hmm. You know, they should be done in a respectful way, but based on, you know, Catholic convictions about morality and responsibility. Uh, so making bishops known that you appreciate what they were trying to do in Washington, um, not necessarily agree with all the particulars, but at least with the idea that progress needs to be made to prevent any more McCarrick uh, or other type situations from being, uh, you know, occurring. Those are very good ideas, Father. Very helpful, too. Inspiring. I, I, I wanted sure. to bring up that next week the, um, the bishops are going to be on retreat, <coughs> excuse me, and the, the, um, the preacher to the papal household, Father Raniero Cantalamessa, is going to be leading the retreat, and in the title of it is The Mission of the Apostles and Their Successors. <clears throat> what do you hope for this retreat for the bishops, Father? Well, the bishops will have a time to pray, to hear conferences, um, you know, to go to sacramental confession, to celebrate Mass. Yeah. Um, they'll have an opportunity to do penance. Um, so it's a, it's a good opportunity for them and it's a reminder that we are all under God, and mm-hmm. that the, the, the reason they are bishops is not simply because, you know, they were qualified, intelligent men uh, who could handle an administrative role. All of that's important, but that's not the primary reason why they're bishops. The reason why they're bishops is they had given their life to God as a priest on the day of their ordination, and the primary mission of the priest and the bishop is the care of souls. And um, they have to think, how is it that either my individual management style in the past or perhaps my observation and participation in some way in the generalized conduct of the American bishops as a whole, how is it that it led to uh, you know, what we've seen, yes. this culture of cover-up, uh, toleration of sexual immorality by the clergy, and a reluctance to face the facts. You know, in, in the past, the, the people's money was used to pay off victims and, and, requ- and require them to remain silent mm-hmm. of the confidentiality agreement. So the goal there, allegedly, was to avoid scandal, uh, and I'm sure that was true to a degree, but there was also, in my opinion, the desire 
not to be known that any of these things that happen on their watch or on the watch of anyone else. Father, Father, should we expect any tangible results from that retreat? Well, like any retreat you go on, the results are going to be somewhat mystical uh, because, you know, it's a moment to come closer to God and to seek inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Um, But certainly, by praying together, they'll gain strength and knowledge through their conversation with each other uh, that they need to do more than has been done in the past to, you know, make reparation for what has happened and then to prevent it from happening in the future. And it'll equip them, I think, to um, recommend to Cardinal DiNardo, who'll be going to that February meeting, uh, it'll give them, hopefully, some inspiration and some courage to... You know, tell Cardinal DiNardo, this is what we need to do, and each bishop has his own opinion, but I'm sure many of them will coalesce around certain things that need to be done. That's beautiful, Father, and with only a minute left, we thank you for your time today, and I'd like to conclude, would you say a prayer and bless all our listeners and bless the the upcoming retreat, they're all the bishops. Yes, well... In this Christmas season, the octave of Christmas, in which we give thanks to God for the incarnation of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. In this time of gratitude, we thank the Lord for the Church, for the hierarchy, for our priests. Uh, We ask God to have mercy on those who have sinned and committed crime, to draw them to repent and to return their lives to Christ. In the meantime, we also pray for the victims, all those who have been abused by those who should have protected them they receive God's healing strength. And all of this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, so much. Thank you, Father Murray. You're welcome. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.